Associate Artistic Director of the Drama League, and welcome to In Conversation. This is our digital and podcast series where we sit down with some of the most exciting directors of the American theater. You can check out our series on Vimeo or wherever you listen to your podcast by searching Drama League. We are recording this in July 2020 in the thick of the pandemic. We are humbled by the artists joining us on this series as they are donating their time to help us raise funds for our director's emergency relief fund. If you are a director impacted right now, please visit our website, dramaleague.org, to learn more about the fund. We also have a list of resources speaking to how we work now and how we work when we get back. I am overjoyed <laughs> to sit down with Mantio, the producing artist director of the Music Theater Factory and an exceptional theater and film director. How are you? Hi, Nyland. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am, I'm doing well. Um, uh, you know, considering I am doing quite well. Yeah, you um, happen to be outside of the U.S. during this time. You're in Singapore. How is that going for you? Yeah, so I returned to Singapore, which is my home country, um, at the end at the end of March when I found out that both my parents uh, got COVID and <laughs> were hospitalized. Oh, no. And it was a moment where I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, it was just not, didn't feel right to be in a different country um, than, than my parents at this time, uh, especially when they're in the hospital. So I flew back and I've been here since April. Yeah. I hope uh, your parents are well. Um, yes, they're doing so much, they're doing so much better. And you know, my, my, my mom stayed in the hospital for about 12 days and my father stayed for 40 days. It's you know his whole journey of being in in there um and and by the time we all came together it was really a sweet moment i remember you know my mom's an excellent cook so we would sort of sit down at meals together and there would be like two bowls and then i remember the first day that my dad was coming back and there were three and i remember like looking at those three bowls and taking a picture of it because it was like what we've been waiting for because you know it's been a while since he had come home that's an image that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. Um, wow. Well, well, one, that's joyful news <laughs> that I'm going to hold on to, that we all are going to hold on to during this time. Um, your work, one, expands mediums of theater and film, which uh, kudos, thank you. Um, and, and it expands um, borderlines. Um, I was excited to see that you've worked on um, many, say, um, say it's uh, Where We Belong, um, Ruth Chang's Building the Character, to name a few of your theater works. Um, I uh, went um, hunting for your um, film work and um, got to watch the documentary that's up on Amazon. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, it, lovely work, lovely work. Um, and also, um, um, I was hunting down clips of um, Let Me Kill My Mother First, um, which was at the Singapore International Film Festival and Not Here, which uh, was at several film festivals, um, um, including the Montreal World Film Festival. Um, uh, would you tell us how you, how you um, choose your product, your project, excuse me, like how, um, what attracts you to 
pick up a story. Yeah, you know, I, that's such, that's a great question. I feel like um, the people in my life and the, uh, really inspire me, right? So I've always been someone who works from a place of documentary in some way, shape or form. Um, I think about the work that I do um, and how I grew up and, and like, uh, under two somewhat restrictive um, societies of being a conservative Seventh-day Adventist and also being Singaporean, right? And I think about how that has really shaped the way I think about work as being a place for, um, um, to subvert the grand narrative that's handed down through the narratives that are less heard. And so I'm often thinking about like, wow, like, what is the experience really inside of this place and what experience has not been said yet? And it might be um, my own story, depending on my identity, and also might be from listening. Um, so Let Me Kill My Mother First is the most recent film that I made. And it is um, the story of my dear friend, Christine Chia Yuchin, who's an incredible poet here in Singapore. And she grew up with an incredibly um, abusive mother. Um, and so, you know, I remember her, we are walking along um, at the bus stop when we were 16 and I remember her saying, oh, I have to study for my lit test this afternoon because um, I, I, tonight my mom's holding a gambling den, which is illegal in Singapore, in the house, and uh, I'm going to have to help out. And for me, I was like back in Singapore, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, because like I came from a really Christian family. Like I didn't understand the underbelly of Singapore. And I remember from that time when I was 16, I was really inspired by like who this person and how she's become who she's become and the story behind that. So I think I'm also really drawn to transformation, to like the, the ways in which we transform. I feel like that's what we watch anything for, is that hope of transformation. We're actually watching people make choices. And however they decide to make choices or not is what keeps us hanging on by a thread. That's what plot is. Uh -huh. That's what we're made of. And when we're tracking those choices and see what happens, we actually can understand something more about how we relate to those choices or not and what we would choose ourselves, right? So that's like the idea of catharsis. It's like processing that. So, you know, so Christine's work has, her, her, her um, poetry is incredibly autobiographical. The images that she writes about of the actual abuse, the way that her brother put a knife against her neck um, hot soup on her toes so that um, the birds wouldn't be shown. Uh, there's just all of these images that I remember and I remember thinking about the resilience and joy that she has having the life that she had and being curious about that. And so um, that was sort of what really intrigued me about that particular project. Um, oh, I mean, one, um, what an incredible piece of source material um, and, and, and navigation of, of a human life that I, I mean, it's the first time hearing it's such a story, but I'm, I'm sure they happen on the world. I'm so glad you got to tell it. I'm so glad that you brought that to audiences. I mean, speaking of audiences, I, um, we get the question a lot um, by 
uh, early career directors who um, are really excited about producing work outside of America. And they're always um, concerned about um, presenting work to new audiences. I mean, everyone has their own set of, of, of uh, regional cultural jokes and habits and impressions. Do you find yourself cal um, calibrating your work um, in front of different audiences or when you, as you are, I mean, you've worked across America um, now and you've uh, worked um, as I reading in Scotland, Belgium, um, Singapore, Canada, China. Um, how do you navigate um, presenting your work in front of different audiences? Yeah, so I have worked in ways that is intensely local, where it's by, for, and about the people of that village in China, right? When I'm making documentary theater, mm -hmm. and it's very much that. And I've also made work where it's toured to different countries, where it's one piece of work um, that is also by, for, and about a community, but that we are able to share it in a, in, a, in, a, in a very different way. And in both of those ways, I think it's such a powerful thing to understand what you're meeting and that it's coming from a place of working in community mm -hmm. in order to share it with community. So, um, so am I thinking when it goes to a certain place, um, so, so if, if we're making it just here, right? Absolutely, it's like intensely about like, if we're making it for, these, for this audience, how are we actually responding to it? How are we thinking about it? And also being really true to what the artist is, is having to express within this context. And then if it's going to move, it's not that I, I, I think about saying that we need to change it for that. We still have the question of what are we saying? What are we speaking to? But we know the context is different. And I think it's really important to not feel like we're always trying to shift everything to another context, but to have contexts meet each other. Right? So that might be some a little bit more education in program notes that might be um a way in which the the artist from a deep spiritually like um an energetic place approaches that you know if 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 um uh, so for instance Mad madeline say it uh, where we belong she actually wrote it for england she actually wrote it to be performed in england about her experiences as um, a Mohegan theater Shakespeare scholar. Mm. And she knew she was going to be performing it in England where she was getting her masters. And she knew that a lot of the things that happened there were what she was talking about. So when we start to talk about doing it here in the US, she has to think about whether or not it translates back here. And so as a creator, she's really thinking about it in terms of why well, I wrote it for there and I wrote it here. And in a way, as we were, as we were exploring that at a, a, a workshop that we did at Rattlestick in December, we brought it back and we asked people like, did it, did it land here? And even though she had written it for it to be performed over the pond, people were like, absolutely. Like, absolutely. It was completely resonant to understanding that. And then I've had queries about whether or not it would land in Singapore. Right. So then we start to do that discussion. And I don't think there's there's I think it's always about discussion. It's not ever like there's a rule. 
you know i think that the framework of how we go about things comes from the curiosity of meeting contexts as opposed to like one you do this two you do this i feel like frameworks are made and continually honed in order to support our creative journeys and the attention that can be paid to the ways in which we are we we make with integrity and care yeah. And so when we're thinking about that story here in Singapore, it's like, well, what, what lands? Like, what are the things that are there? And I'm like, you know, we're a colonized country. This, like the British came, it was a British colony. There are so many things about Shakespeare and the education system here that are, are very similar. Okay, and then, you know, so, so to me, it's really about the meeting the context that that's what the audience is in. And also the context of being on this earth as a human being, of being on this earth with family, oh. <laughs> of human beings living their lives in encased in flesh and structured with bones, made of carbon. Can I just tell you right now, I just, I, my, my hand is writing because I was like, I want to quote all of this. All of this needs to be like on shirts and sleeves and banners. <laughs> um, um, I want to uh, lift your words. And you just said the uh, curiosity of meaning context. Um, here in the U.S., I think we're having a reckoning with that very idea. I think uh, art has been lifted to a place uh, uh, um, where where if it's been um, within the canon already that it supposedly has a untouchable um, <laughs> reckoning um, with its community and its audience that it's and that it's a uh, colloquially in because it's been done before because it's been recognized before um, and I think we're asking as a field um, to really make a calling to um, how it always reaches to us now. And it's maybe not that some works never need to be done before, is that if we're gonna ever present a work before, I'm again, of this nature, it, it must, um, I'm gonna use your words, uh, build a curiosity of meaning the context of what it means to live now. Oh, I love that. I'm gonna use that phrase all the time now. <laughs> I'll quote you, but I'm gonna use it all the time. Thank you so much for that phrase. Um, uh, you are also, um, as I mentioned before, the producing artistic director for the Music Theater Factory. Um, would you tell our listeners um, what is the Musical Theater Factory and maybe how they can get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Musical Theater Factory was started about six years ago in the back of a porn studio by the incredible uh, Shakina Nafak. And Shakina was gifted 18 months in, in this back of the porn studio and decided that she would open the doors, move in and say, come on in musical theater, let's go. And at the same time that she was getting gender confirmation surgery. So MTF really stands for MTF. <laughs> and at the core of this organization is radical transformation. So um, I started around two years ago um, as the producing artistic director. And what we do is, well, we are committed to dismantling oppressive ideologies toward collective liberation. And how do we do that? We center artists of excellence 
who exist in the intersections of underrepresented groups. And we provide a joyous, collaborative community that is free from the commercial constraints that we see so much of musical theater deeply embedded in just by the cost of it, right? And the potential massive amounts of money being made off of musical theater. So we are in direct disruption of that in order to provide the space for artists of color, queer, trans folks to make their musicals in order to sort of shift culture. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you for that work. Um, also, shout out the um, Shakina. Hey, <laughs> love you very much. <laughs> you brought up um, um, radical inclusion and diversity, and um, and 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 breaking down. Um, anti-racism, the patriarchy. Could we, could we move that into how you build your rooms? How do you bring those practices into your creative space? Yeah, you know, I was a professor at Hampshire College for a couple of years. And I think that like my queer and feminist theories were really honed there and taught to me by the students. Um, that's something that I have uh, been greatly privileged by is always being in a room with folks that are like a generation, the next generation, mm -hmm. that I have had a great amount of contact and I have learned more from the next generation, just as much, I wouldn't say more, but no point in comparison. I would, ha I've learned just as much from the next generation as I have from my mentors. And there is something about the intergenerational learnings that I have been privy to that I'm so grateful for in light of this, in light of how we really think about radical inclusion and how we build the rooms that we want to be in. I'll speak first as an artistic director. Um, I feel like the job that I've had to do is really provide with frameworks, right? We talked about like, what are frameworks? Like how do, how do we operate that? Like that is like, I love systems and I love identifying systems and I love dismantling systems and I love building systems. I just, I, it's like my favorite thing in the world. And so when I started at MTF, someone um, during the process of, of uh, getting hired said, what is your process of curation? And for me, it came down to these two questions. What are you perpetuating? What are you dismantling? In a way that can be translated to the room, right? In any kind of action that is given, in any kind of top down or any kind of assumed way of working, we can ask that. What are you perpetuating with this? And what are you dismantling with it? It's very two simple questions. And then from there, I started to, 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 to hone even more. Well, how can we describe a room? How can we describe the spaces that MTF is building? And what is a rubric by which we can match ourselves to, to actually keep us on track, mm. right? Instead of like, this feels good. Well, this might feel good to you, but not to the person who's getting sexually harassed by you. You know, like, it's like, there, there's just a lot of things that we need to actually hold ourselves to, right? So then I, I remember brainstorming with um, some, of, some of the team. And I remember saying something like, radical intentional 
rigorous, inclusive, Riri, Riri. Thank you, Riri. Always an inspiration. Um, and when I think about that framework, that helps me, right? So it's, it's what radical. What does it mean to be radical? What does it mean to always push ourselves beyond what we imagine is supposed to be right? Right? How do we actually always question? That's, that's the heart of radical for me. It's like always questioning, always going, whoa, that's not what we accept. Like, we, do we need to accept it? And sometimes being radical is going real traditional. It's going like, actually, that's taking us off. Like radical idea and like heart is actually about that, that, that continual ability to ask why. Um, intentional, being able to say, okay, like, well, this is what I'm actually trying to do. You know, let's actually have the intention of what are we, how are we gathering? We're not just going to gather. How, how are we gathering? Like being able to sort of focus that energy from the radical questioning. Rigorous. I think kindness is rigor. I think. Say that one more time for everybody because <laughs> that is a word and we need to say it. Kindness is rigor. Rigor is kindness. Um, rigor does not mean. Um, I know better in you, than you. Rigor means that we are rigorously to the process of finding out what is together. Um, rigor is holding ourselves to our best selves as much as we can and being able to say like, I wasn't, I'm gonna be rigorous in acknowledging that. I'm gonna be rigorous in my apology. I'm gonna be rigorous in holding the impact that I had over you, over my intent to be good or not racist. I'm going to be rigorous in that. And part of my kindness is to hold ourselves to that. It is not kindness to let bigots be bigots, to let friends be bigots. It's not kindness. It's not kindness to allow damaging structures and relationships to continue that is not kindness. It might be kindness to one person, but that's not even kindness to them because you're not holding them to their highest self, right? Mm -hmm. So rigor, inclusion. There's this whole thing about like diversity pushes us, you know, all of that. Like I get it. I totally get it. That's why I'm like really trying to train my language around more about inclusive. So who's in the center, not like this. And then the diverse and all of that. And, um, you know, words are important. So for me, inclusivity is really yes to racial, gender, class, all of those identities, inclusivity, and also understanding that everyone carries their own immense wealth of knowledge from their experience that you sitting there are not just there by yourself you have all of your ancestors there with you like i see that i see all, all of the people that in your lineage of your blood in the lineage of your craft in the lineage of um every um community that you identify with and belong to, they are all there with you. And we accept and know that all of those ideas, people for better and for worse are there with us. And how do we actually show up in a way 
that acknowledges that. That means being trauma-informed. That means understanding that um, people have different needs because of their experiences. That means um, being able to um, provide that space for all and encourage a room that acknowledges that with care. Um, yeah, you know, and this is something I'm finding all the time that like, I am, I am, the, the things I come up with by being an artistic leader have come from being a director, have come from being an educator. So like everything that I just said to you, I feel like I've learned to do that in the classroom, in the rehearsal room, in the boardroom, in the, you know, like it's, it's all, it's all learnings that have been sort of flowing together in the ecology of what I've been very lucky to live in in my life in the theater mm -hmm. to be able to have all of these different spaces that i've been able to learn from and then being able to go oh i learned that in here let me bring it in here oh i'm learning that here let me bring it back here and here and here um the cross-pollination of learning <laughs> oh i i uh, i truly do lift every last idea and sentiment that you just said um in full agreements. There's a uh, conversation going on right now, or I will say that I have been having with a lot of artists um, who are questioning um, what does it mean to be an artist in today's world? And I think exactly what you're describing is not even the bare minimum. I think it's mandated. I think it's um, uh, uh, um, concrete in stone. And if an artist um, in today's world uh, can't carry those ideals with them, I don't think they deserve the privilege of making art. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of us, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of us and resources as we know are, are, are limited. And, and when we do get the chance to interact with our audiences and communities, we deserve to give them the utmost, um, respect and, and we deserve to truly be the cultural leaders that we call ourselves to be. And um, hearing what you just said, I, I, I hope the listeners are really taking it, strapping it onto their back, and they're walking daily with it in their practice. Um, let's switch over for a little bit. Let's, 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 let's dream a little bit. Um, I'm gonna give you all the money needed for whatever your idea is. <laughs> Um, if, 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 if you could work on, uh, any dream project right now, what would it be? I'm working on so many dream projects right now. Yay. <laughs> um, can that be a real offer? <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on so many dream projects right now. I have to tell you that, like, I... I feel like I am living, um, I am so compelled by the artists I get to work with right now in the, in the ways that they're thinking about the work in the, what they have to speak to, um, in the life that they're living in the resistance that they're in. Mm -hmm. mm. And do I, do I have dreams for them? Yes. Um, w w one of them, I just got off the phone with Maddie Say It actually, and we're 
we're talking about doing it. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say yet, but um, at, at a regional theater sometime in the spring, where we belong, her story. And I'm thinking about how, like, I really want this. I think it's not just theater. Like, I really imagine it as like an animated film. And we were talking about it last night. I hope it's okay that I'm saying this, but she was like, yes, I've always wanted to be a cartoon. Absolutely. You know, it's like, and I'm thinking about like what the difference is between that and that and what does it mean? And she said something really powerful. She said, you know, the reason why I'm not sure it should be audio is because I do not want them to imagine me in their idea of Mohegan. And I'm sitting deeply with what that means, with what that means, that people only have very limited ideas of the last of the Mohegans. And her power in saying, my body is, my person here is the living proof that we are not extinct. Mm -hmm. And that that's why it, it's like, yes, that's theater. You know what I mean? Like, this is actually the living, it's not just what she has to say. It's the act of being there. And we were talking about, and I was like, I get that. I love that. I think that's so powerful. And she's like, and somehow I like, don't mind this film idea because like, like there's an avatar, like there is a representation that we can control that is not about feathers and you know what I mean? Like that, like there's, there's not all of the things you can actually control what people see in their head when you're in the theater, when you have a visual. Um, and, and right now I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you gave me everything I want, I want to call in really amazing animators, you mm -hmm. know? Um, um, and and um, really be able to sort of like go through a whole process of having Native artists involved in how she is imagined as this world and being able to sort of like really do it as a community as opposed to like the ways in which we always do things. So for me, money and resources are about expanding the way in which we involve others. Mm. Expanding the way in which we gather, expanding the way in which we have a vision that includes so many more people and their perspectives and a process that allows for that to mean something. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, that's what I'm, that's, that just happened like at, uh, about 12 hours ago. So I'm really like, a lot. <laughs> it's fresh. It's fresh. Um, um, one, I can, I need to be in that audience. <laughs> I'm going to say that now. I'm going to keep my ear to the ground. Um, when that, when we return I, and we get to see that, um, you, you brought up, um, Maddie, love you to death <laughs> um who are some other uh dream collaborators that maybe you've worked with already or that you hope to work with out in the world yes so i work with um a most incredible um 
everything human named Nia Witherspoon. Uh, she's, she's really extraordinary. She's a creator. She's a creator, you know, um, she's somebody who not only writes, but performs, but directs, like produces um, everything. And um, everyone needs to know about Nia Witherspoon. Um, we are working on a project together called the Dark Girl Chronicles. Um, she is looking at, it's right now a trilogy, but I'm sure it will be more where each trilogy um, really looks deeply at the reality and um, uh, situation and the resilience of a, a black woman warrior who has um, suffered from the violence of the state. So uh, Chronicle X is based on Diamond Reynolds, who's Philando Castile's fiance, who went Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. um, with yeah. their um, four-year-old who is also in the car. And so what that piece does is um, taking the transcripts from Diamond Reynolds, um, looking at the, the, the transcript from when she was on Again, Love Fix My Life, um, and the deep healing power that happened in that moment, and, and intersecting that with the Yorba creation myth um, from the Orishas about Olodumare, creator of the world, and um, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding the beings that come from Olodumare. So you have this incredibly mythic foundation that then moves on wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, move through these portals and find the story and find Diamond Reynolds and how those stories connect. Um, we are using like some new AR technology with this in terms of finding portals. We're really looking at the spiritual technologies and actual technologies of storytelling and understanding where is the healing here. It is Black Radical Feminist Church. Um, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and so uh, that, is, that is something that I've been collaborating with Nia on as a co-director um, for a, a few years now. Um, it was supposed to be at the shed opening, having opened in May, but uh, COVID has postponed that. And so we're actually going to be doing a really exciting workshop with Willie Mammoth um, um, in, in the fall. And we're going to explore a lot of these ideas. It is, it is a piece that Nia has been working on for many years um, because it is that kind of work. And it works upon an audience um, in such a extraordinary way that I'm really excited to have it um, continue to provide the healing that it has. Ooh, that show sounds delicious. Um, to, to, and, and I always, uh, I'm, I'm a, being around me, I use uh, food analogies when I talk about art because I think we are always consuming it um, and it's entering my being. Um, it, it, but that uh, one wow and thank you. Thank you both for doing that work. Uh, that's that's a piece I'm extremely excited about. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm I'm still absorbing it. Um, can we? If I think we're all uh, students of life, um, what are you still learning about your work as an artist? Can I talk about a struggle? Yeah, please, please. You know, I find myself often 
um, in in learning spaces. And I love that actually. Like I am, I am, I'm really uh, embrace places of not knowing. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be invited into a lot of spaces. And I can tell you that a place of struggle and learning for me is grappling with leading a process as a director when it is not my culture or milieu. Mm. And, you know, I recently directed Skinfolk and American Show by Jillian Walker at the Bushwick Star. And Jillian and I had worked on it on several years and it's about black women. I am not a black woman. I am working and serving a lot of work that is about black women by black women. And I remember having to really sit with myself, you know, because like my, the way I think about hair is very different from how black women think about hair. And I, I listen deeply and I also know that I make decisions. So how do I make decisions in a way that doesn't put my gaze, which does not include their experience on top of it? And how, do I, how am I aware of that in a way that does not do harm and move to a default white gaze, <laughs> which we all have. We actually all have the default white gaze. Like if we, if we haven't actually like put it together with something else, you know, or like, like decolonized it or, or, or we are actually always just functioning on the white male gaze. That's, that's how it's, that's the default. And it is something that I'm always learning about. It's something I'm always learning about how to be in a space of, I tend, I, I am in a lot of all black rooms as the only non-black person. Um, I am also in a lot of all Asian rooms. Um, I'm also in a lot of mixed rooms. I have also been in a lot of all white rooms. And I sit, I, it is something that I am always constantly learning and how to navigate in a way, not to be like good at it, because I don't think that's the point, but I actually, I'm, I'm always learning how to navigate it where that I am not a cause of harm by my ignorance. And to examine my ignorance, not so that I look good, but that I do not affect the people around me in a way that continues the harm of the systems that we're in. And it's, it's a place I'm growing in. It's a, it's a place I'm absolutely trying to figure out more realms and ways to deal with that aren't just like, well, you're the director, just do it. Because I think that that kind of assumption actually does cause the harm, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm acknowledging right away that I don't know and I know less. So what is my job then? How do I create the structures where they decide that I support us making decisions? I support them making decisions as opposed to me making this decision on top of that. And maybe that's where I can like, oh, okay, okay. I might not understand that. Please tell me, great, which, which, which one is more important to all of you? And so it's less about me processing and then making a judgment. It's more about me going, okay, let's facilitate this. And in a place of not knowing, I start to realize that like facilitation is really helpful. And even in a place of knowing, like I'm thinking, I'm just talking out loud right now, like 
even in a place of knowing, it's still important because even though it's all Asian, doesn't mean I know. I worked on a piece about Hong Kong. I've been to Hong Kong twice when I was 16. I've never lived in Hong Kong. I should not equate Hong Kong to Singapore, even though there are some similarities compared to Singapore and Tanzania, right? There's still, there's still all of these differences. So how do we acknowledge all the differences? And that's something that I'm always learning about. And I remember thinking to myself once, I was like, oh, should I be working out of my milieu? Am I just going to be causing harm? And then I also realized, I'm like, oh, um, what would be my milieu? Should I only be directing Singaporean work of people who now live in America? <laughs> should I only be directing Chinese Singaporean work? Because in Singapore, do I only work on Chinese work? Do I not work? There are all of these questions that I feel that it is part of the wrestling with. And like, while there are like basic rules right now that we should sort of really look at, like I remember reading um, a black playwright say like, no more white women directing black playwrights. I think Tanya Pinkins actually said that in her Medium article. She's like, no more white women directing that, no more. And there's a reason why she's saying that because of the history of and the continual harm she herself has been through. And I like honor the rule that she has laid out because of the history we have lived in, right? And I think that we also need to continue to examine that, not to support white women continuing to direct black playwrights work, but to continue to ask ourselves, and not also assume I might not be the right director as a Chinese woman for every Chinese play or every Chinese American play. I might, I, that's also shouldn't just be equated. What are the ways in which we're learning about what we know and where we are growing and how do we grow together that doesn't cause more harm? I keep saying do not do no harm. And I feel like that's coming up a lot for me because of all the harm I see being done. Mm-hmm. And when we, we see, we see you what? We're talking about the harm that's been done. We're like, can we just talk about the harm that's been done? Can we stop the harm? Can we please stop the harm? Yeah. And, and for me, I'm thinking about how am I complicit in that harm? And how can we all actually address that for ourselves? Like how are we, each of us, um, so that we can hold ourselves accountable because honestly, the only people who we can, the only people we can actually change action of is ourselves. It's the only people we have agency over. We can force people to do a certain thing or whatever like that, or we can fire them, we can do all of those things. But at the end of the day, a true change only happens with your personal agency upon yourself. 100% agree. Uh, I have... Uh... I want to unpack some of what you're saying. I have a personal um, uh, model for life um, that I that I wake up to eradicate my ignorance. I think uh, the word ignorance has such a nasty connotation in the U.S. where it's 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 it it it, it feels hateful. It feels um, really negative. Um, and I'm lucky enough that I had teachers very early on to go open up the dictionary. What does it mean? It means a lack of understanding. And you're always going to have a lack of understanding about things. I mean, that is the purpose of life. I mean, something as simple as realizing that 
the can opener actually works like this is <laughs> um, going, oh, that's a lack of understanding of this tool. Um, um, I think you spoke, um, I, I want to take out the, the role of the director um, and what I heard, um, and correct me if anything's wrong, but um, I, I definitely want to lift that, that we're working on, on eradicating the role of the director as being the ultimate decision maker, that this person has all the answers. Um, I, I love how you spoke to a practice um, of, of, of communal listening and active listening um, as a way to um, form decisions decisions knowing that you're not the one on stage who will be practicing that action over and over every night um, or saying those words every night um, but we all have to live um, and 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 replicate um, um, this moment and we do not want to cause harm I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful that you kept hitting that phrase um, so 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 that's a reckoning that I know the work of the drama league that we're trying to have um, and really speak to um, those who we mentor um, to not walk in steps of, of some past ideology um, that, that you are, that, that to lead means that you're immaculate of, 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 this, um, um, of fault, uh, <laughs> that you have all these right answers. I also think a, a hot conversation right now is like who should, who should produce, who should direct, who should be in the work. Um, and, and then, then you, get your, your, uh, you get your side going, we don't want to regress back. We don't want, we don't want to segregate ourselves. I, I'm fully on that um, team also. We don't want that. But we also, um, I'm going to lift what you said of um, doing harm. And I think that's a consciousness. Um, what I was hearing from you is that um, this is, this is uh, I think, the, it has to be in the present. The present is an active, constructive space. And it's the only constructive space we have. Um, the future is unforeseen. Um, and that's where the potential of harm comes from. The past has to be a lesson actively. We know this already. So why walk inside that hole if you know it's muddy already? Um, and and, and uh, I um, really commend you for um, um, uh, implementing that work and, and speaking to uh, uh, your apprehension um, and, and questioning of, of where you take up space inside these systems. Um, I hope that those who are listening to this really take away, um, it's, it's not, I, I, I do think for a time until some people have relearned, I'm with you, Tanya. Um, I don't know if I want to see a white woman direct a, a, a black piece at this moment, because there's much to deconstruct in uh, white ideologies um, right now to come to a place of understanding, not just their own privilege about, but especially their, their, uh, the white gaze of how easy it is to implement without actively switching in the brain. But I think, I also want to lift that you spoke about not being a monolith of your own, that you as an Asian woman don't understand all Asian things. And, and you should never have the capacity or you should never be able to put that on your back. And I think um, in the US right now, we're doing that to each other so much. 
um, I, I, I speak to black performers and going, why would I ever go out for that show? That's, that's not who I am. I'm like, I'm not a rifter. My voice doesn't even do that to be able to do this. <laughs> like, that's not what I want to do. Or, um, and, and like my experiences are from a middle-class um, um, suburban um, background. And, and, and this is that, uh, 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 a, a different one. It, it's, we're so complex and given ourselves that permission to be individuals in within our um, own self-identities are going to be the fruits of, of the labor of how we come back together. Um, and it's just going to allow for um, more of us to, to build more inclusive rooms. And diversity won't be a problem if we, <laughs> if we are able to respect and recognize all the various degrees of identity. Um, and, and accept them, because they, they, they are just is, <laughs> they, they just are. Preach! <laughs> Preach! Um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, off of you, I'm huge. Thank you for saying that. Um, let's jump back and we're almost done, oh no! Um, you can cut the other stuff anyways. <laughs> Uh, two last questions. One, um, for anybody's listening who happens to be a producer, artistic leader, you should know this incredible artist. And if, if there is like a, what's a bucket list, um, player musical for you? Um, right now, if you, if, if, uh, what is something that, you know, before, um, you leave this plane that, that you want to make sure that you've put your name on? Um, I don't think that way. Ooh. I don't think that way. I think you're our first artist who said that, and I love this. Ooh, keep going. You said this phrase, to put your name on. Mm -hmm. What is something that you want to put your name on? And I... I feel a certain way about that. I feel a certain way about um, the the art form of the auteur. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the art form of the auteur. There are directors that I'm like, I want to see what they do next. I want to, I want their name on it. I want, I want to see what they do, and I greatly appreciate people who do operate like that and they will always have five things that they will direct for your theater to provide you with their vision of what you've done and the advocacy for the playwright and their advocacy for dead white men and re-envisioning how they can be done with people of color yep 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 i I, I, I don't mean shade even with that tone. I do think that a bulk of our American theater is based on that format. I am moved by collaboration. And I understand that like, that is how an artist can collaborate with an artistic director. I understand that. I am moved in particular by the ways in which I build with generators of work. When you ask me what should be done, I will tell you that you need to produce Nia Witherspoon's work <laughs> that I'm working on right now that needs more resources towards it. I will tell you that you need to produce Maddie Sayet, Jillian Walker, Raquel Almazan. These are people who like I'm working deeply with, right? But it's not like 
let me send you this play. I, I know, like, I, I want us to think even more deeply about how we think about artists in community and how we program and how we curate and how we go through a process that's not just us deciding and the ways in which we make together. And I, I, I don't, I, I like, I have a thing of the things that I am actively like in the soup with. And, and certainly if someone says like, may Anne's the right person for that because of this is how she thinks. I am so excited by that. I am always excited to be like thought of and like matched in that way, you know, and that I do have a list of like collaborators that I will like, Hey, I did this and I looked this up, but I, I'm thinking much more deeply about, not about the pitch. I'm thinking about the relationship. I'm thinking about the relationship the artistic director has with their community and the communities that they serve. I'm thinking about the way in which it's not a conversation of like, boom, boom, boom. It's, it comes from a deep understanding of the work that they are doing and the work that I am doing. And it comes from this kind of deep conversation before a, before a pitch happens for me. So d- d- when you say like, put it out there, May Ian, I almost feel like, but we haven't got to know each other. Oh, why, why haven't we gone in on a date yet? Mm, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not like, not everything should be for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, so yeah, so I, yeah, I, I want, I, I'm excited to build with people. I'm the person that you, you like call to talk about, like, how do we change the American theater? How do we change culture first? And then we talk about the art as well. Like I am driven by the large questions that is like, I'm not, I'm not a gun for hire. Oh. Just, just that's that's mic drop. <laughs> Love that. Um, thank you, thank you uh, uh, for bringing that into the room. Uh, last question: We're we're asking um, everybody this. Um, if you could uh, speak to your younger director self, what advice would you have given yourself? Oh, young me, Anne. <laughs> oh, young me, Anne. Um, oh, there's so much I have to tell them. Um, I, I would, I would say to them that, um, that when they follow their heart. That that is not a trope. It is actually a path. That um, that everything is going to be okay. <laughs> um, that a career doesn't matter. The family you form with each experience of making matters 
that um, every time you get to direct, it is an opportunity to practice your own liberation and the liberation of others in envisioning a future together and understanding our past. That the budget doesn't determine the quality of the spirit of the work. That the number of people that can be sat in the audience does not determine the intimacy of the work or the epicness of the work. That you will be paid not according to the true value of your art, but eventually you will be paid and be able to live. <laughs> And that um, the desire to serve will never fail you. The desire for um, ambition will. And that everything feeds the work, and that the work feeds everything. That if you allow it, the work can make you the manifestation of your highest self, and that ultimately. It is the person that you become that is more important than the artist that you are. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, I need to hear that personally for most of my own journey right now. Um, but thank you so much for sharing that. Everybody, uh, thank you for. Uh, Listen, I, think there's, I don't think it's recording. It's recording. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the joke? Wouldn't that be the joke of the century? Like, ah! <laughs> I was almost relieved because I'm like so embarrassed and crying. <laughs> no, no. Um, you were honest, and you were what we ask all artists to be vulnerable. Um. God, that is the ultimate ask that we make of artists every single day, um, and and I am so thankful that 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 you felt um, safe enough and 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 moved to do so. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I cannot wait to to see you face to face. I'm gonna give you a big old hug. <laughs> um, please stay safe. Um, um, everybody, much love, and we'll see you next time on the digital series. Thank you. Thank you for having me.